0: Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk about the latest happenings in pop culture to help make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. This week, we'll be talking about last week's episode of The Bachelorette and the influencer hair salon that's under attack. Let's discuss. 1 5, Audrey. One five. This is our 15th episode. Oh, I was like one five, one five, one five. One Um, five, five (laughs) five. That means that it's been about 15 weeks
1: since we started, which is crazy. Yeah, that's actually pretty impressive. And also one five because that's about roughly how many Instagram followers we need um, to hit that 200 mark by 2021. 2021.
0: Oh my god, fuck. That was a... Little Freudian slip moment. Yeah, my bad, my bad. Did you ever think we would make it this far, honestly? For the podcast? Yeah.
1: Yes. I think when we first started, it was harder because we didn't, we hadn't officially announced it. And so we were kind of on the fence, like, I don't know uh, how we should go about this. Like, I think we were both feeling a little nervous. Like, what are people going to think? Like, oh God, we don't want to be those people that are like, we started a podcast. But then after we officially announced it and then actually got some Instagram followers and everybody has been so nice. Like we've gotten the nicest messages, especially, I mean, all the time, but especially this week of people just saying how much they love it or like, oh, I showed my friend this or da da da. And it's just, it's so cute.
0: No, it's so cute. Actually, that reminds me. I wanted to specifically say thank you to everybody who like actually listens. Like Loki didn't think anybody would really listen and like wait for the next episode. And there are, you know, way more people who have shared that they are enjoying the podcast than I would have ever anticipated this early on. And that makes it so fun for us. Like we could not grow at all and just stay this way forever and it would feel fulfilling. So not to get all mushy gushy, but I really appreciate it and it makes us feel so good so
1: just want to say also and also we've poured so much money into this
0: podcast that at this point like no that was the the other thing that I was going to say keeps me accountable yeah like the ten dollar a month fee that we pay for our feed to upload all of our content onto um but it's worth it and also oh here's the other thing I freaking love is the fact that I can just dump my feelings about anything random happening in pop culture onto the Instagram story. Because, like, I guess I, it's kind of cringy to do that on your personal. Even though you can do whatever the fuck you want. It's 2020. And if I wanted to put out my personal, I could. But it's just nice. But, like, but like don't. For it. No. But, like, don't. But, like, I'm saying, <laughs> it's cool. You can do yes. whatever the you want. But now I feel like I have a space for it. And people actually, like... There's an expectation, like if you open our story, it's going to be pop culture related. So it feels just, it just makes more sense and it makes me really happy. And honestly, even Instagram stories, even though you do the
1: most on the Instagram story, I always feel like a burden for posting on my personal story. Like I just never want to bug anybody with like my thoughts on things, (laughs) but on the wrong side, it's like, we can just dump everything onto that Instagram story and it feels good. It feels therapeutic.
0: I feel the same way because last year, what was it? Oh, it was during Peter Weber's season of The Bachelor which was, I had more thoughts than I had ever had on any topic. Worst season, in that season. By far. And I posted like a back-to-back series on my Instagram story about my full review of like the final, the finale and Maddie and, oh my god, the after the final rose was popping. I had so many thoughts. So Anyways, I put this thing on my stories about all of my thoughts, just my full tea, and I got so many responses that were like, you should start a podcast because this is gold. And then I was like, damn, you're right. But it's if I was regretting in that moment posting those stories, because I was like, who the fuck do I think I am? Like some sort of podcaster? Well, and look now, at me now. <laughs>
1: look at you now, baby. And I also want to say in this episode, we would like to issue a formal apology because Audrey did refer to my job as an internship. <laughs> and What's that up? hurt some feelings. That hurt some feelings. No, um,
0: so I'm, I'm genuinely sorry no, Emily had a job. And the reason that I thought it was an internship is, first of all, you definitely called it an internship when you first ever told us about it. Like when you didn't, oh. before you had the job, you called it an internship. Okay, fair. I probably so, did. So during the course of your receipt of that internship, I of the job, I referred <laughs> to it as an internship. But that is no shade. It was full-time. You were getting paid for your fucking shit. But the reason that I kind of visualize it that way is because it really is like, it's truly this door into entertainment. And like, I don't know. I hope that makes sense. But to all the pages that Emily is friends with, I'm really fucking sorry. And like, I'm really sorry. And like, if you can just forgive me, like, I I genuinely think you're all amazing. And you deserve the world. And I hope that you're all happy and fulfilled. And I love you. (laughs) I told
1: Audrey, I was like, oh hey by the way like it's not an internship like it's a job like we joke about it all the time you know within my cohort within the whole program that people call it an internship even people in the company that know about it so i texted audrey about it and she deleted the instagram story where she asked about who had an internship with nbc and i was like you did not need to delete the story but that is how serious audrey takes these matters i just
0: felt bad it's truly
1: fun. um so Speaking of all the nice messages that we have gotten from friends, from family, from just everybody, every followers,
0: we have followers followers that like aren't weren't originally our friends and family, which is pretty fucking cool.
1: Yeah, which we're very excited about. So we get a lot of messages, which we really appreciate. And one of them was from this amazing human being. Her name is Emily Gates, and she told me that a good question of the day might be, "What is your favorite or most memorable Halloween costume?" And I said. Absolutely genius. I'm I was really excited spooky. about this
0: one. These are the spooky vibes that I want to be embodying during exactly. the October season of The Wrong Side. Exactly.
1: And so, Audrey, would you like to go first?
0: Yeah. So, I had a really hard time thinking this through because I, okay, well, I have this thing where I have a really vague memory of all of my childhood memories from sixth grade and earlier. I swear to God, there's so many things I don't remember. Like I remember people, but I don't remember like situations or I don't know, like if there's not a photo of it, I don't remember it. So I was racking my fucking brain trying to remember something, any Halloween costume that I'd had in the past. And here's the only one I remember. I was Spongebob one year. And you know what? <laughs> I was one of those bitches who went to Spirit and bought just like a pre-made costume. I never put any effort into it. I never cared about Halloween. I actually appreciate it now more just because I live for the fall vibes. But yeah, I got one of those. It was just like a big foam square with SpongeBob painted on it. And yeah. The creativity is
1: matched. Wow. That's a good one. Okay. I have two from childhood that come to mind. And I think they mostly come to mind because I have iconic pictures of me in them, so I will obviously post those on our story after this episode is out. But quick side note, when you said that you hardly have any memories from elementary school, my brother actually was, he called me a couple days ago and he was like, do you remember, he, I think he said when I was in fifth grade and you were in third grade, he's like, what did we do after school? <laughs> And I was thinking about it, and at first I was like, oh, what a stupid question. Like, Evan, you're crazy, huh? But I couldn't remember. And I, it's funny that you mentioned SpongeBob because I told him, I think the answer would be, we just came home from school and watched TV because I have a clear, vivid memory of me being in around third or fourth grade, and I was home alone, and I was watching an episode of SpongeBob, which I thought was like cool and fun and flirty, but it was the episode with the hash slinging slasher. And the I got episode. I got so scared. So it's funny <laughs> to use SpongeBob because Evan and I were just talking about how we have no memory of like 3rd to 5th grade and also I was I think that was the first time I felt true fear in my life was watching that episode alone at home. So Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Just quick little story there. But as far as my Halloween costumes, so when I was a little bitty baby, I was just Wee lad. I think it was my first Halloween, actually. I was a sweet pea. And it it, (laughs) so it's very wholesome. I was like a very cute child. And then things kind of went downhill. I'm around second grade, I'd say. But in my prime, in my first, you know, five, six years on the planet, I was freaking adorable. And I don't know, you know, sweet pea costume, you don't see that too often. I really respect the originality personally. But also, I think my favorite would have to be That's probably runner up Sweet Pea. My favorite would be, I was a cow and it was this like onesie cow costume. And it's really nothing, you know, crazy, nothing special, but pretty much everybody in my family wore it. And there's a picture of me as a cow and it's just super like, I'm puffed up. I can't really like move my arms. And then Evan is sitting next to me and he's Batman. And it's just a really (laughs) wholesome photo. And, you know, you just don't see too many cows or sweet peas in the wild these days. So I just, you know, I thought those were pretty original, pretty memorable. And apparently I got lots of compliments on the cow. So most popular as well. I will say, though, in college, my favorite costume would be, I dressed up as Jake from State Farm. I think it was my freshman year. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but I didn't really understand that people took Halloween seriously. Like, nobody ever did that in my hometown. So all of a sudden, I was at UW and in Seattle, and I remember going to a party, and everybody was like, Victoria's Secret Angels. Like, I didn't get that memo at all. So there's a photo of me standing next to someone in a white thong and a bra, a lace bra and wings, and I'm standing in khakis and a red polo,
0: so. No, Halloween in college was, were some of the darkest times. I- (laughs) Horrible. It was always something to dread, and I only remember one of I only remember one of them because there was a picture, and I I dressed up as a robber, and I wore a <laughs> black mini skirt and a striped top and a beanie, and curled my hair like a sexy robber, you know. And that was about <laughs> as far as I could go. Like it, I I never I wish I was, and I I commend the the gals that do go all most. out, yeah, do the most. But it just, it could never be me. It just, it logistically, it wouldn't have worked out.
1: No, I hate Halloween. I hated Halloween in college for that reason. Because also it turns into Halloween, And so then you're expected to have- And you need to have seven, seven costumes. No, it's
0: incredibly, it's horrible. It's horrifying. It's my it's so, worst nightmare. That was the most so part of Halloween for me. Yeah.
1: Yes and I remember one year I told myself I'm not I'm not dressing up I'm just not dealing with this I don't have time to go to the parties I'm very busy. And my friends I think it was junior or senior year and my friends convinced me to go to this bar one night and I was like I don't have a costume I don't want to go and they were like think of literally anything. So I was googling like easy halloween costumes. I wore a, a I think it was a plain white shirt and I taped a couple nickels to my back and I was nickel back. And that was I couldn't do any more than that. No that's great that's, but that's quality. That's about as, as dangerous as I got with my costumes. I just, it's well, not. This, for me.
0: This is giving me like flashbacks. So I think we should just transition into the next topic.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. But there's your answer, Emily. Thank you so much for your question. Not talking to myself. I was like, wait, oh God, I got go. <laughs> <laughs> so to put it simply, week two of the Bachelorette felt like it took eight years off of my life, maybe nine. And there was so much to unpack that we are just going to break down the episode, starting with the first group date. So the first group date was all about love languages, which honestly sounded like a good idea until the date started. So first they covered words of affirmation where Claire literally stood in a tower, like it was Romeo and Juliet in the 1500s while the men just spoke to her as everybody else stood in the background. Next was gifts where Dale gave her dog perfume, very notably. And then came touch, which is the part that we all want to forget. Uh, So basically Claire was blindfolded as she got to feel up each of the guys one by one, which was probably the most uncomfortable television I've ever seen in my life. And then finally, when they were all gathered with their cocktails at the end of the night, none of the men wanted to pull Claire aside to get to know her for that quality time. And after Bennett finally asked for a chat, she decided to return to the guys Saying, "quote Does anyone want to hang out with me?" So there's a lot to unpack just in this first group date. It was
0: it was a lot. I, I want to focus most of our time on the cocktail hour situation because I feel that my feelings have changed uh, slightly, and so we just I need to just get right into it. So right when we are watching, they're sitting around the fire. They just got to the cocktail hour. She's sitting in between all the men. And she's like, crazy night out here. Am I right? Like, it's so awkward. And we're just waiting for the men, one of the men, to pull her aside. Like, they may have even extended the period of time slightly that they were all sitting there just for dramatic effect. So it was extremely clear, like, what was happening. Then that one guy, who's that one guy? Bennett, Bennett pulls him aside, pulls her aside. And they, they're talking for five minutes and she's like, you know what? Like, I can't even focus because I'm just so hurt and offended that it seems like nobody even wants to talk to me. And then she goes back and she's like, basically like, are you guys fucking kidding me? Like, what the hell? Why did none of you pull me aside? I'm so embarrassed. It's so stupid. So when I'm watching this, I'm thinking, Claire, and I wrote this on our Instagram story, but maybe they're just feeling a little uncomfy. Maybe they don't know sort of the rules of the Bachelor show, which is when you sit down, you you need to get that quality time, and you want to be the first one to pull her aside, and everyone's going to be fighting over it, whatever. So at first I was like, oh, Clara, you're just like upset that they don't understand the game you, you are being like a little bit dramatic. Like it makes her seem kind of this or that when she comes back, it makes her seem just, it puts a negative light when it it really wasn't like the biggest deal. It was just kind of awkward. So initially I was like, eh, T- Claire, like you might be on the wrong side. Looking back though, no, like it was really embarrassing.
1: It was. And I felt bad for her because not that I've ever been in that situation where I'm surrounded by, you know, eight men and nobody's asking me to go talk. I've never personally experienced that, but it it was clearly uncomfortable. Even the fact that nobody was taking her away to chat, but the fact that she was having to start the conversation and ask those awkward small talk questions. Like somebody, if you're not going to ask her to go chat, at least someone strike up a conversation about, oh, those monologues, huh? Or something, because I did feel bad for her that she was really having to lead the discussion and lead the date part of it.
0: Yeah. And it seems clear that she is probably most likely feeling really insecure about being the oldest bachelorette. Just the whole background, like the fact that she wasn't even on the previous season, like she was chosen from other seasons, not the last one to be the new bachelorette. And she was like specifically chosen because people were saying they're tired of the youngness. Like it wasn't that people wanted Claire. So she's probably having a lot of internal struggles with like just feeling maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like she doesn't deserve to be there and nobody wants her there. And so I think maybe, and that's, that may or may not be the truth. I don't know, but I think that's maybe what she is feeling when she is just having all of those insecurities kind of boiling up. So something small like that, like that might seem small, In the moment, like, oh, big deal. Nobody got up and stood for you and tried to pull you aside right away. But when she's already probably having this kind of internal monologue about why she does or doesn't deserve to be there, it probably just like stings extra bad, you know? Totally. And I think she, I don't, yeah, I don't know
1: if anybody's on the wrong side here because could Claire have handled it a little bit better? Maybe. But also, the guys should have stepped up to the plate and asked her, you know, to go chat. But it's, It's hard to tell because we don't know how long they were sitting there for. You know, what if it was only a couple minutes and the guys just didn't know that it was okay for them to start pulling her? You know, maybe the producers hadn't given them the signal or they were just waiting for someone to say something like, okay, we can start the one-on-ones now. Feel free to go. I don't know how it works. I don't know how production or what production looks like in that sense, but I will say the producers are on the wrong side for not giving us a shot of Bennett waiting for her to come back.
0: Oh, my God. I love Bennett.
1: That would have been such a good clip to just insert when she was yelling at them of just Bennett sitting there kind of twiddling his thumb. Like, no, is she coming back? Or that was a missed opportunity.
0: What do you think, though? Like, do you think that there might be a chance that there's a lot of men there that aren't necessarily there for Claire? 100 percent. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, last week, like we said, I'm, I'm not getting invested in, or I'm trying not to get invested in too many people just because we know what happens at the end of the season, but I, this, during the premiere, I was like, okay, this seems like a decent batch of guys. I'm pretty impressed by them, and they're, you know, their first impressions weren't too cringy, and they just seemed like a good group. This week, I was really disappointed. They, they, Definitely seem, and you know we're starting to get glimpses of oh they're de- they're de- they're jealous of jail, they're jealous of Dale, and you know obviously we'll get to the second group date where she talked to Brandon, so we'll get to that later. But I was really unimpressed with the guys, and nobody seems super super interested in her other than a couple guys.
0: No, and I think so. That's why I think there's kind of some truth to her coming out. Like yes, maybe. Again, in the moment, it seemed like not that big of a deal. Like, oh, big whoop, nobody stood up. But she's probably kind of feeling like a pylon of that emotion. Same with that other guy that she sent home. Because she was like, what do you like about me? And the guy was like, is that – are we going to talk about that? Yeah. Oh. Should yeah. I wait? Okay, okay. I'll, I'll hold on that because that's a whole other – that's a whole other ballgame. But anyway, yeah, I mean – just to kind of recap, I think I was sort of on the wrong side when I was watching because I was being like a little bit of an internalized misogyny ho. Like, oh, she's being dramatic. And you know what? No, her feelings are valid. I understand. Like I said, she steps into the role and she's fully this character. And so sometimes it's a little bit cringy, but, you know, she's acting off of her real emotions and I don't think she's being fake. I think oh. she's just what's the word I'm looking for? Open and feeling. (laughs) Honestly,
1: one more take on this first group date. I have to wonder if she got as upset as she did. I mean, again, very valid, but maybe it was because Dale was in the group and she was like, excuse me, Dale, pull me aside. That's a great point. the second that they went on their one-on-one time to chat, she was like giddy and happy and had forgotten all about the whole thing. So I almost wonder if she was feeling insecure about that because obviously she has strong feelings for Dale. He didn't step forward. So maybe she was thinking, you know, oh, is he just here for the guys and not here for me, which is obviously not true, but that was- No,
0: I I actually think that's, I think that's a great call. And I want to know because this is kind of the only Dale part of the, sh- of the episode, what do you think now about Dale? Like, have your feelings changed? Because I know I was getting confused.
1: You know, his ears bother me.
0: Okay, well, you know what? That's <laughs> fucked up. Your ears bother me. I'm so sorry. I know, I know. I'm
1: tucking my, I'm covering my, my ears right now. Oh my
0: God, I was I, about, okay.
1: <laughs> no, I shouldn't focus on that. I'm sorry, that's very shallow and surface level. But Dale, <laughs> I need more time. He, he just seems too good to be true, which is why I'm hesitating. But also the fact that he gave her dog perfume, I did not like that. I did not <laughs> like that one bit. She was probably like, where's the ring, Dale?
0: I feel like Dale is sort of coasting. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is loving it. And what I'm saying, and, and let, me, let me clarify that. I think he probably is interested in Claire. I think he knows that Claire is extremely interested in him, and I don't think he's at Claire's level, because I think Claire's level currently is just a little bit unrealistic. It's a little bit out there for the level, for the fact that they've known each other at this point five days or whatever, (laughs) but I think in order, he knows, in order for him to find out if he can get to that level, he has to maintain this, you know, facade. So when they're talking, he's like, Claire, I got you. Like, I know that we're on the same level and I respect you and I'm here for you. I got your back. And I'm just like, Dale, I am, I got my eyes on you and I want him to be good. But I'm, I mean, here's the deal. Like, we all know, we all know that Claire leaves with Dale. So the real test is, are they together or not? I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to say no. But I'm going to we'll say see. yes, but we'll get to that later. Oh. And
1: also, one more thing about Dale, and then I swear to God, I'm done on this topic. I was cracking up on their one-on-one within this first group date because with every other guy, you know, she kind of sits and they sit next to each other and, you know, maybe there's a little, like, hand touching or whatever. She sits with Dale. Her legs are <laughs> on his lap. She, like, has her shoes off. She's getting cozy. It just made me laugh so hard because with every other guy, you know, she's a little stiff. She's a little, you know, turned away, not,
0: not super excited. And then with Dale, she's just
1: making herself at home all no. over it.
0: You can literally see the little swirlies in her eyes as she's being fully hypnotized and captivated by Dale. With every other man, they're fully glossed over. Glossed yeah. over. She's a hundred percent just thinking about what Dale's doing. Like it's hilarious, and I'm sure that the editing is, you know, t- uh, telling a bit of that story. And we're just kind of seeing things. But oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, when she was
1: telling. Bennett, you know, hey, I'm really sorry, you know, I have to go back. And, you know, I just, I'm I'm thinking about it. She probably should have just said, I'm sorry. I just, I can't believe Dale didn't ask me like to go chat. So I, I need to go back. Let's just be honest. Yeah. So anyway, that was the first group date. You know, I thought it couldn't get worse and then it did, but we'll get to that later.
0: So next let's talk about the one-on-one. So Jason was picked for the one-on-one date, but before the date, Claire asked him to write a letter to his younger self. Um, They kicked off the date by screaming together into the mountains. Then they read negative words. Others had called them and threw the towels into the rocks. Jason also revealed that he has a dark past, but never really went into specifics. And also there was a portion where she threw her dress into the fire from previous seasons. So it was a lot of ritualistic happenings for this date.
1: Yeah, and Jason threw me for a loop because watching this date... At first, I was like, okay, I really like Jason. You know, he seems like a good pick for this date. He was opening up. He was being very honest with Claire. He seems genuinely interested in Claire, one of the few, so I like that about him. But then when he was talking about, you know, this dark past, I have a few thoughts on this. First, Claire was not on the same level as he was. I know we just talked about how the guys aren't necessarily on Claire's level yet on this one-on-one, Claire was not on Jason's level. You could tell that he had a lot of stuff pent up and was pretty excited to, you know, be getting it off his chest, to be opening up about all this. And as he's trying to explain this dark past that he supposedly has, Claire was making comments like, oh, you're that kind of guy, huh? And i was like, honey, this is, like, he's trying to open up to you about something crazy or wild or traumatic that happened to him. And she was, like, smiling and laughing through it. And it just made me really uncomfortable because I was like, I just feel like the tone should be a little more serious here. But also he didn't go into specifics about what happened in his past, which I'm still really curious about. But at one point, I mean, props to him for opening up. Good for him. He seems like a wonderful, genuine guy. But he was freaking me out a little bit. I was like, did you commit like a, like a double homicide or what is happening here? Like, Jason, you can tell us like this is a safe space. It was just kind of freaking me out at one point.
0: No, it was a really weird date. It felt like there was so much left unsaid. And I'm almost convinced that maybe there was some editing happening there. Like they did discuss what happened, but then they cut it out because maybe it was just like a little too dark or like a little too intimate for literally one of the first one-on-one dates of the show. But I really hope that's what happened. Like I hope that he divulged not because he has to divulge his past but it was just I don't know it just felt really if she's gonna have a date that's so you know deep then the conversation needs to be deep and if they don't actually talk about their past then it just feels surface level and for me like if I were Claire and if I were Jason you know she was saying that some of the words that people have described her in the past is like crazy and whatever other bitch kind of hard to love yeah, and I would be interested, if I'm building a relationship with someone, like there's nothing that anyone could say in that setting that is a deal breaker. Well, there are some things, but none of the things that Murderer. Yeah. Kidnapper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, none of the things that they had described themselves or had expressed others had described them as is a deal breaker. So but I feel like if I was building a relationship with either of them, I would want to know the context around those things so that I could understand. Because that just that kind of context helps you build your relationship. So it just it it felt like there were missing pieces. And I don't know. I left the date thinking that I really like Jason. I'm really glad that he opened up, especially for how much he was like, I hate opening up and I don't want to do this. This is my worst nightmare. And I get that. There are just people who don't like to be vulnerable, and that's totally fine. And I think it was kind of cute how... If it's actually the case that Claire selected him for this date specifically because she sensed that he was so bubbly and so positive, and that often like people use that to cover up or to um, cope with you know darker things that have happened in their past, that's really nice and kind of insightful. Like I appreciate the amount of adult conversations that are happening on this show that we just did not get on fucking Peter season at all. Like oh my god, <laughs> I'm I'm so relieved to it's like a breath of fresh air, even though Claire can be a little bit, you know, overkill sometimes. I appreciate that. I would prefer that versus you're just like so cool and I really like you and I can see this going so far and I'm here for the right reasons. Like it's, those are empty fucking words and I'm over it.
1: Yeah. I mean, we asked, we said last episode, you know, we think it's time for the bachelorette and the Bachelor, (laughs) Bachelor. (laughs) weird. We said it's time for the bachelor and the bachelorette to change some things and try out some new dates or casting or, you know, all that stuff. And so I did appreciate this different sort of date and I appreciated how serious they got and how, you know, intimate and emotional it was. I loved that. But I also have to wonder if it was just that way because they can't go anywhere. You know, it's like they can't exactly go to like a farmer's market or a restaurant, you know, like have a meal together and, you know, do the classic bachelor and bachelorette dates, I guess. So I almost wonder, yeah, like I almost wonder if more of the one-on-one dates will kind of be similar to that where they're just literally sitting around a campfire or just sitting together somewhere because their options really are limited. So they
0: are, but you know
1: regardless i enjoyed it
0: yeah like in the past people have gone bungee jumping or they go kayaking or like little things that you do together so i feel like i'm that'll be interesting to see what kind of dates we see on this season and what kind of workarounds are there going to be any masks like are we going to see you know covid product protocol in action i guess we'll have to wait and find out tbd
1: so are we ready to move on to the second group date because wow okay so probably the worst part of the episode. So, for the second group date, the guys played dodgeball and they were split into two teams the red team, the blue team. And then, of course, Claire interjected and what did she call it? Strip dodgeball? Or mm-hmm. what is strip dodgeball? Mm-hmm. Two words that should never go together. So, essentially, the losers lost their clothes and the winners got an after party with Claire. I hate the words that just came out of my mouth. So, during the after party, we saw Blake Moynes, who got the first kiss last week, but he was one of the losers. So he was at home, you know, kind of moping around as we see every single season. And he was the one that sort of threw a wrench into the winner's date when he crashed their date with Claire with the reasoning of, quote, I wanted to show her I have balls, which the producers probably spoon fed him to say. Mm -hmm. And even during the commercial break before this second group date, I was like preparing myself for all the ball jokes that were going to be made. And they did happen to no one's surprise, but essentially, you know, Blake, Interrupted a conversation with Claire, sat down with her. The guy went back. I can't even remember his name, the scrawny weird guy, the douchebag that like owns a gym or he's a fitness trainer. Oh, I can't even remember his name because he's a little rodent. But anyway, he went back and told the guys, you know, blink show, I'm pissed, man. You know, he's this isn't fair. Like this is our time with Claire, he lost. And then all the guys got up and stormed over. I've never seen a group of men look so loserish in my life. It was straight up out of a movie. It was so, Oh my God, it was trash. I was embarrassed for them. So they strut over and then just stand there and they're like, Blake, ew, what are you doing here? And <laughs> just stood there. And one guy, the guy that said it, then just proceeded to chug his drink. Oh my God. It was so bad. I wish I could unsee it, but I can't. It's burned forever into my memory. And then after the guys walked up, Claire told him that, you know, you should probably be going back. She'll talk to him later. And then another moment that we wish we could unsee, he tried to kiss her. She dodged the kiss from him. He finally left. It was probably the most moment of the episode, even though, even though there were lots. And then finally, at the end of the episode, at the cocktail party, she actually gave him a rose, which again, we'll get into later. But in the second group date, it's still going, guys. There's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> and Claire went to chat with Brandon, and things went downhill quickly. So Brandon said he wanted to be on the show because Claire was a bachelorette, but couldn't explain a single reason why. And she sent his ass home right away. And so just a lot happened on this one date. And again, we thought things couldn't get much worse after the first group day, all the drama there, but this one, this one took the cake.
0: Let's just really knock out the dodgeball portion of this. Like, it was fucking weird. I'm sorry. Like, we're in 2020. I understand that this could have been a thing when Bachelor first started, but we need to grow. This shit is so fucking archaic. Like, it was so awkward the way that... They put Claire in the position of making it strip dodgeball. Like, that was already their plan because they gave them those, like, jock straps or whatever. So, I just, like, there was that one season a few, not one or two seasons ago with, like, the slutty pillow fight. Like, can we just not? I just, I'm tired of it. If we're not going to diversify the types of bodies that we see on Bachelor and Bachelorette, then, like, at the very least, we could not be, you know, subjecting the men and women on these shows to... Yeah, what was it on
1: Peter's season? Wasn't it, was it mud wrestling or like jello wrestling?
0: I don't remember. All I remember is the pillow fight and there has been definitely mud wrestling or something in the past. There's always something that's like body related, but, and I don't know. It's just like the dodgeball thing took it too far for me. It just, it irked me. No, it wasn't fun. And
1: it was annoying because as we just said, her one-on-one was so, I mean, even though it had its cringe moments, it was nice. And it was a nice change of pace, a real conversation. So early on in the show, and then they went to this and I'm like, here we go. One step forward, four steps back, Claire.
0: Like, I just feel like they could have made it crazy. They could have upped the ante of dodgeball without the strip portion, I understand that, you know, this might be a little bit too sensitive for some folks. The idea, oh, everybody's just too sensitive in 2020. But, I mean, clearly some of the guys didn't appreciate it either. And, like, they felt emasculated and then they got sent home and didn't even get to have a date. So, it was just weird. I didn't enjoy it.
1: No, didn't enjoy that. And then what were your thoughts on Blake crashing the date?
0: I mean, you got to do what you got to do. So I understand people who go out of their way. I mean, they have to get like producer, you know, sign off. So it's not like it's fucking written in the contract that he can't do something like that. I don't really care. I mean, I think he wishes he hadn't done it because he got rejected and it was just cringy. And then he made all the guys hate him. But I respect a person who, you know, shows that they're there for that person. And I think that's why Claire gave him his rose too. She's like, okay, well, you know, this makes you look bad, but I also want you to be reassured that I appreciate the fact that you want to be here and the fact that you care about me. The way all those four other dudes walked in, I would have sent them all home that minute. It was so cringe and bully-like and, ugh. Like, if you're disgusted... So unattractive. No, it's... And they all looked just nasty and, ew. My thing with Blake is
1: that, you know, as I said, he did get the first kiss last week. And so even though you know, the producers were probably egging him on, you know, we oh, could go crash the date because we see this every season. This is not a bombshell. There's always someone that goes to find the bachelor or the bachelorette when they're not supposed to. So this is not a new storyline, but my thing with Blake is that because he got the first kiss last week, I'm sure he is excited that, you know, he has a chance with Claire and that there is something there. Whereas, you know, there's a bunch of other guys that haven't even really gotten to talk to her. So maybe maybe, he just really wants to stay in it, kind of stay a front runner, even though I don't view him as a front runner, but he probably feels that way.
0: I feel like the ones that stay winning in these situations where they sneak out and break the rules is when they like go to the the bachelor or the bachelorette's room and like see them after hours, but they're not like breaking in on a date because then everybody gets mad and then you make yourself an enemy like day one. Prime example is Nick Viall finding Caitlyn's hotel room after hours, and then they ended up hooking up. Yeah, that, oh my, I will never forget. And that was probably good. one of the most iconic moments. No, that was a great
1: season. <laughs> my thing with Blake, I I want to rewatch at the very end of the episode when he walked back into the room with the rose on his suit. I wish they would have played a sound of just, hey, <laughs> hey, how y'all doing? How y'all like, doing? that was that would have perfectly embodied the situation. I was living for it, the awkward silence. It cracked me up so much. Good for him. However, if you were in Blake's shoes and you tried to like oh I can't talk today. You tried to kiss Claire and she dodged you like that. Would a rose even make up for it? I would pack up my bags and leave because it's Same. Just, it was horrifying. I'm sure that rose from her was sort of like a peace treaty and maybe an apology of, cause I'm sure she felt how awkward it was, but yeah. that rose could, couldn't erase the kiss from my mind. I was like, Blake, you got to get out of here, homie.
0: I mean, it's clear never true. dodged
1: a kiss from Dale.
0: She was like playing the game like a little too much there. She was like, Oh, it's not fair if I kiss you. Cause this isn't, isn't even your date. And that's why I think, you know, Peter played the game a little too hard too. And I just feel like lead, leads that play the game a little too hard kind of get burned. So, I mean, I'm already, I mean, it's true cuz like she doesn't end up <laughs> finishing the season allegedly. So, yeah, it's whatever. Let's talk about Brandon really quick too. He was the one that Claire sent home. And we actually had a couple people say, "No, Brandon like isn't on the wrong side. He like what is he supposed to say? He just met her. He's he doesn't know anything other than what he sees on the internet. So what's he supposed to say?" and i think that the stance that claire was taking was not like oh i love how you're so sympathetic and like truthful like all these things that he of course wouldn't know cuz he just met her but i think he just kind of stumbled like he didn't he there was almost a miscommunication like she just wanted him to say something like i love the way your energy lights up a room and i'm so excited to get to know you like that would have satisfied her but he was thinking She wants me to say that I'm, like, in love with her and that I know all her brother's names and I know what her childhood was like. Like, how the fuck am I supposed to know? So that's why I think it was just, like, a little bit of miscommunication and and that just means they're not compatible. So it's a good thing that he went home. (laughs) And she she was really cornering
1: him. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like, she has every right to go after his ass, but... He, she was really laying the questions on him. She doesn't mess around. And I don't blame her. She's 39. She doesn't have time for this. And she knows she wants Dale. So just get that guy out of there anyway. Exactly. But
0: I, She's just pinning them off one by one. Exactly. And so I
1: think, you know, she was just kind of, you know, really ding them with all the questions. He couldn't come up with answers, which made him seem like a worse person than he probably actually is. But just the way that he was responding to the questions and his body language was not a vibe. Exactly. They're not compatible. They never would have worked. Who cares? It's another loser gone. Bye.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't think he's, he's probably not a bad person. We don't know anything about him, but he definitely fumbled in that moment because the only thing he could think of saying was you're beautiful. And, and she did kind of catch him in a lie when she was like, he was like, I knew I wanted to come when you were The Bachelor or when, when I found out that you were The Bachelorette. And she's like, why? Like, if you wanted to come for me, then you should have a reason other than that I'm beautiful, which is fair. Like, I was team Claire on that side, but I understand where Brandon was like, what the fuck? Like, what the hell was I supposed to say, you know? Yeah, she was like, if you're not going to come for
1: me, then I'm going to come for your ass
0: (laughs) right now. Get in the fucking car.
1: So as far as expectations for next episode, which will air tomorrow, if you're listening to this on release day. I hate Yosef. I'm going to keep it brief because I know we've been blabbing on and on about the Bachelorette, but Yosef can kiss my ass. What a piece of trash. He, you know, the way that he reacted about the whole dodgeball thing, I understand. I understand why you'd be pissed. You know, I felt uncomfortable, whatever. But again, if you feel that way, then just leave. Okay, here's the door. Here's your suitcase. Get out. If you don't respect Claire's decisions, if you don't like, you know, the kind of guy she's after or the kind of date she likes. Okay, just see yourself out. And second of all, I totally understand being uncomfortable, but have that conversation with her in that sense, just being like, hey, I'm sorry, you know, this date kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, you don't need to be pissed at Claire. Be pissed at the producers, you know?
0: And can I also just say, you know, his argument was, I don't want my little girl to see me on TV, you know, shaking my ass and, you know, revealing myself, which is a fair point. But You, I mean, okay, I'm not daddy shaming or anything, but you are not seeing your little girl for however long, you know, max three months so that you can go on a TV show. And meanwhile, while you're on the TV show, spreading some misogynistic type shit about how Claire is dramatic and how she's this and that, I'm just, I don't stand for it. And
1: he's totally the one
0: in the preview that yells,
1: makes the comment about you know her being the oldest bachelorette it's totally going to be him putting my money on that now that i don't have and also that tiktok is fully about him
0: yeah if you don't know what we're talking about dm us there's your batch recap we're looking forward to seeing how the
1: whole men versus dale turns out hopefully they don't they all don't stand in a line like those four guys and just stare at him uh because i never want to experience that again but we'll see how dale reacts it'll be interesting if there's any tea with that
0: Okay, you guys. So now we are going to be talking about the Hair by Chrissy drama. And we've actually gotten a lot of questions about Hair by Chrissy because it's something that kind of continues to pop up on if you're on TikTok a lot, if you're paying attention to some influencers, you might have heard the name Hair by Chrissy. And it's actually quite a simple story, but we're going to go into the details very briefly and just quickly recap our thoughts. So there's a hair salon called Habit that has been the go-to spot for Instagram influencers and bloggers who um, they'll either travel to Arizona or Los Angeles just to get a cut and maybe some extensions from salon owner and social media star Chrissy Rasmussen. For the last several months, the salon has been under fire on TikTok for not enforcing masks for both clients and employees. Rasmussen has re- recently given cuts to stars like Mads Lewis, Dixie Demilio, and members of the Hype House, which has drawn new attention, attention to Rasmussen's TikTok page, but heavily due to the fact that neither the clients nor the staff appear to be wearing masks. She has now limited her comments on her Instagram and turned off comments on her TikTok posts altogether, both of which are flooded with criticism about the lack of masks and the lack of diversity in the salon. So first of all, let me just say this. I have known about Hair by Chrissy for a very long time because she does all of the influencer's hair. She does Amanda Stanton's hair. She does this girl whose name is Indy Blue, who's an influencer um, who has like the most incredible hair I've ever seen. She has, um, she does Tia Booth's hair. She did Dixie D'Amelio's hair. Like I've known about Hair by Chrissy for a really long time. So it's funny because I've always been like, I've always just seen her as like this celebrity hairstylist whose services are probably in the thousands of dollars and definitely are. And so it's weird watching her kind of fall from grace on TikTok because when um, the pandemic began, people would be flying like from their home state, influencers flying from their home state or traveling long distances just to get their hair done by Hair by Chrissy. And I believe they closed for like when California and Arizona was on lockdown, but then when they opened again, like at limited capacity, people would be getting their hair done, posting them, and then there's just not a mask in sight. No, and they don't even
1: try to, they don't even try to pretend like they're staying six feet apart at least, or there's any sort of protocol. Like they make TikToks in the salon. Everybody's laughing, having a great time, and they're posting all about it. It's not like oh, we got leaked footage of the salon. Everybody is posting, the influencers, the bloggers, the actual hair salon, Chrissy. And it's just frustrating because like you said, this has been going on for a long time. I think the first one I remember was Amanda Stanton. Yeah. Because she went when COVID was in its early stages and everybody freaked out, especially because,
0: I don't know, she's old
1: enough to know better.
0: It's irresponsible. It's, It's literally as simple as that. It's really not a very complicated story. Other than that, Hair by Chrissy is literally fostering people traveling all over the place and not even enforcing any mask guidelines. Like, that shit's annoying. And what pisses
1: me off, personally, there's a lot of things in this situation, but the people that are going to this salon, you know, let's say it's like a Great Clips in Arkansas. Okay, if people are going there and not wearing masks, am I going to be surprised? No, I'm not going to get as pissed off about it. But these people that are going to this hair salon have so much money. Would it be so hard for them to hire anybody else to, like, come to their home in a mask or just do something more local where they don't have to travel, where they're they're actually wearing masks? Like, they have the resources and they are able to do better, but they choose to not.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of like a two-part situation. I mean, the primary offender and the person that is most on the wrong side is Chrissy Rasmussen and their entire clan at Habit Salon. And then there's sort of like a secondary offense, which is like all of the influencers that have decided that their hair is more important than, you know, keeping other people safe. And they've clearly determined that going to a hair salon that doesn't enforce any protocols around mask or social distance or any kind of safety for COVID, that doesn't matter to them because they are rich enough and young enough that if they are exposed to the virus um, or if they spread the virus, it doesn't affect them. And therefore it doesn't matter to them and it's just like the wake of the influencer hatred era era i almost feel like covid-19 is like really perpetuating that and i'm so glad for it because the humbling needs to begin the reckoning needs to start now <laughs> if it doesn't start now then i don't know where the fuck we're going to be in 10 years there was also an additional portion to the story which i'm just going to try to recap you know from memory But basically, so Hair by Chrissy has been garnering a lot of negative attention ever since COVID started, so several months. And then recently, there was also some news that came out on TikTok where people had reviewed, looked over their Yelp reviews and their Google reviews, and there were a lot of reviews about how Hair by Chrissy specifically doesn't treat Black women's hair or any different hair types different than like, you know, the white thin like normal hairstyle you see and that they've actually turned away black people black women because they can't do their hair which is a problem (laughs) and basically there was this one tiktok that went viral that was a girl just reading some of the reviews recounting kind of horror stories of being turned away at the door or facing sort of racist comments by people that work at, her, at Habit Salon. And so then this kind of sparked an additional resurgence of hate where people were like, literally, fuck this lady. Like, what can she do right at this point? So then the hate was coming in full force. And, you know, that's when they started to turn off their comments, started to turn off their Instagram comments as well. There's a feature on Google where you can turn off your review capability because if you go viral, then a a bunch of people will just like spam your reviews and they're not actually like credible since it's not people that actually visited the salon or whatever. So they kind of like were fully being taken down, right? And instead of issuing an apology, issuing a statement that they're going to do better, issuing a diversity and inclusion statement or, or an understanding of, those people's fair criticisms of the fact that they basically don't, they only do white people's hair. Instead of doing that, they kind of doubled down. One of the joking hashtags that was going around about hair by Chrissy was hashtag hair by crispy. And the joke is kind of like, ew, these girls are just crusty and their hair isn't even good. Like they make your hair fall out. And Hair by Chrissy actually ended up taking over the hashtag and start. they started using the hashtag themselves, Hair by Crispy. They made merch that said Hair by Crispy. So it's like some people choose to play dumb when they're being faced with criticism where they're like, oh, I didn't see it. So I don't know. Kind of like the Kylie Jenner's of the world where they just ignore the criticism and you can't really get mad at them because you don't know technically if they know what they're being criticized for or if they just shut off their phones because it's just overwhelming. But clearly when Hair by Chrissy started making Hair by Crispy merch, it's like, you know why people are mad at you and you just like are doubling down on it and actively rejecting any sort of criticism. So that's where it becomes, not only are you problematic, but you are just bad. You're on the fucking wrong side. And it pisses me off when people
1: turn off their comments for reasons like that. You know, when people are posting very personal things or, you know, if something tragic happened to them, I don't mind at all when they turn off their comments. You know, when when they're posting something that they don't want trolls coming at them for for a legit reason, I don't mind whatsoever. But when people are being little shitheads, like Chrissy here, it pisses me off because you can't turn off your comments and not allow people to come for you when you're doing something wrong and And then you, you are. Yeah. And then use their hashtags to turn it into your merge and basically like try to make fun of the people that are coming for you for being a shitty person and not following pandemic protocol. And it's something over, it's something so easy to fix. Wear a mask, have your clients wear masks or just stop posting altogether. Like it just, oh my God, it makes me so mad. You know, if people were coming for her, just like, oh, her hair sucks, like, people that get their haircut there, it always looks horrible, the color is horrible, blah, 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 then I could understand, oh, maybe, you know, she's getting a little butthurt, she doesn't want that criticism, but they're coming for her for something that is so... For, like, moral reasons. known. Yeah. That's what irks me.
0: No, and here's what you need to know, like, if you're not invested in this drama, but you keep seeing hair by Chrissy and you're like, I don't understand... Just know that Hair by Chrissy is on the wrong side. I don't think there's much they can do at this point. It's literally been like six months of them just like not giving a fuck about the pandemic. And I'm personally just, I, they don't know who I am, but I'm fucking over it. And if anybody asks, Hair by Chrissy is on the wrong side.
1: And I will not be getting my
0: haircut there. No, or extended for that matter. <laughs>
1: you just lost a customer, Chrissy.
0: Yeah, I'm no longer going to spend $4,000. At your business. I'm
1: going to pour that money into another microphone. <laughs> for my ever-growing podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen. I know we kind of sped through the whole Hair by Chrissy thing, but it's quite simple, and let's not overcomplicate. These no, things. and
1: she doesn't, she doesn't deserve any more time than we, than we gave her. Yeah, it's true. Oh, my God. Dude, it's snowing outside.
0: <gasps> oh, my God good walking in a winter wonderland
1: i'm so excited for our christmasy episodes dude i fucking love christmas i'm so yeah. we'll, we'll come up with something fun for that okay also you guys please let us know we i mean obviously we just spent a long time covering this week's episode or last week's episode of the bachelorette but please let us know if you guys want us to do anything else while the bachelorette is going on I feel like we should start a sweepstakes for whoever our 200th follower will be. But Maybe Ooh. we can worry about that when we get closer.
0: Well, you know what that means. Well, then that's just going to cause a whole situation where people just, like, unfollow and refollow to try to be the 200th follower.
1: So true. So then we end up with zero followers. Yeah.
0: So that seems like... Okay,
1: never mind. I retract my statement.
0: Maybe like a giveaway. I'll give away $1.
1: I'll give away
0: my dog. <gasps> you should. Yeah, who wants Ruby? <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Wrong Side. We've loved having you again. You can find us on Instagram at the Wrong Side Podcast. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us on Spotify Podcasts. Whatever your heart desires. But thank you so much for being with us.
1: A big thanks to all of you guys for listening yet again. And for the love of God, have a very scary, spooky, and wonderful Halloween. Bye. Bye guys.